What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What's up, Chaz? What's good, Laker Nation? How you doing, Chris? Good as always, my friend. Got another good one for all you Laker fans today. Will it work for Russ back home in L.A.? Is now the best time for Melo and LeBron to finally link up? Why is Frank Vogel's contract extension significant? And how will the Lakers fill out the final spots on their roster? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. Now on Twitter, it's at Showtime underscore Forum. Make sure you, you don't forget that underscore at Showtime underscore form. And you can also follow us on our website, the showtimeform.com. Well, Chaz, it's official. Everybody that the Lakers were linked to uh, that signed initially in the opening hours of free agency are officially Lakers. Several of them have had press conferences already. They've already talked with the LA media on Tuesday afternoon, Russell Westbrook, after that trade went official, it turned out to be a ginormous six-team sign-and-trade deal. A lot of teams got some pieces out of that, but he is officially back home, a Lusinger High product, a former UCLA Bruin, an L.A. native is back home in L.A., the Brody, Russell Westbrook. And, I mean, this man, was oh this was a huge move. And I know it was met with some trepidation, some hesitancy. Is he the right guy? He has no, been known to be combustible, and he has not had a tremendous amount of success with all-star, superstar, MVP caliber talent from Kevin Durant to James Harden to Paul George to most recently a second stint with James Harden and then, of course, last season with Bradley Beal. But now he's joining up with two legitimate superstars, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And... I got to tell you, uh, Chaz, the more I thought about it, I, I said to myself, you know, we saw flashes of what Dennis Schroeder could, could do as that third option, right? We saw flashes the year before that, what Rajon Rondo could do, and obviously what Rondo did in the playoffs was in, immeasurable. But now you get a walking triple-double, a former NBA MVP, a nine-time All-Star. Russell Westbrook will definitely be a solid and tremendous and powerful playmaker for the Lakers to lift some of that burden off of an older LeBron James and an injury prone Anthony Davis. Wouldn't you say so? I would say so. This is the biggest move that the Lakers could possibly make outside of actually outside of nothing. I mean, outside of trading for Damian Lillard or Steph Curry or, you know, right. somebody like that, that the Lakers have been, salivating over I should say their fans on Twitter and social media but this was the biggest move that the Lakers could make and I love the fact that Rob is takes the same approach to the front office as Kobe did to the game right like that's that's what stood out to me in this whole process and even watching the press conference uh, earlier today with Russell Westbrook um, Rob Palenka is just going for it and any deal that he can make that he believes is going to give the Lakers the best chance to win, he's going to do. And he doesn't care about the future uh, as much as, you know, maybe some other teams do. 
He cares about the right here and now, and he's really maximizing. There's nobody that could get as much out of the time of having LeBron in the stage of LeBron's career as Rob Polinka is doing right now, where LeBron has already won one championship out of the first three years that he's been in a Laker uniform uh, with two more years committed, four more years left of AD, and at least two more years of Russell Westbrook, albeit at a 40 plus million dollar number a year. Um, Russell Westbrook is going to do amazing things for the Lakers. So let me just outline really quick. So everybody hopped on social media as soon as they saw that the Russell Westbrook uh, trade was going to be finalized uh, on draft night, right? Um, a few weeks, maybe a week and a half ago now. Everybody, you know, all the talking heads, I should say, that had a negative, uh, even our own, you know, Travis Rogers of 710 ESPN. and D Didn't like the know, move. Yeah. And I think a lot didn't of like it. it. Right. And even though he has done something, only Oscar Robertson, by the way, the big O only did it once in his career. This guy averaged a triple double. Russ has done it four seasons. Four. Unbelievable. 22, 11, and 11. Who does that? Magic Johnson, one of the greatest point guards of all time, never did that. Jason Kidd, another uh, Hall of Fame caliber point guard, never did that. Amazing. Didn't he do, didn't he do it? Didn't three of those four times come consecutively? Yeah, I want to say between 2017, 2018. I know all four of them weren't yeah, consecutively. I, but. I think 2020 and 2021, or I think 2019. I don't know if he averaged a triple-double that year in Houston. I don't think he did, actually. I don't, I, I don't, that I might don't have been he... the one year he didn't. But 17, 18, 19, and 21, I believe, were the years that he did it. I Dude. mean, Russell what? The guy's a walking triple-double, which goes to show you he could contribute to the game without necessarily having to score. And I think that is going to be the areas that Frank Vogel and the coaching staff want to get the most out of him. When you're in transition, bro, Brody, go do your thing. When you're in transition, half-court sets, defer a little bit more, and if you're going to shoot from the perimeter, like I've been saying, 16 to 18 feet. And if you're going to take a couple of threes a game, don't take any more than three or four. That would be... The, the the limits that I would put on Russell Westbrook offensively. Russell Westbrook shot above 83% on his on points in the paint. Exactly. Attempt, attempts in the paint last year. He he averaged a triple double, obviously, as we know. Like if you think about it, the Lakers have two of the top five guys to ever have triple doubles. Mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook has twice as many as LeBron, and LeBron has twice as many as the guy who has three or, LeBron or sitting on 99 exactly LeBron 99, 99 problems but triple doubles ain't one Russell Westbrook has like 187 of them so yeah here, here's the deal at the end of the day it's basketball right and I love that Russell what Russell Westbrook said today more than anything he says guys are going to be able to figure it out when you have great players that know the game that can think the game the way that LeBron AD and Russell can, mm -hmm. they're going to be able to figure it out. And right. having those three players already have conversations with each other prior to this happening, putting their egos aside, talking about what needs to already happen and take place for it to work, knowing exactly what Russell's um, mentality is coming in, knowing that he's not the best player, knowing that he's going to have to play third fiddle. The Lakers couldn't have got a better third star you would think hey who's a better third star to go with him you could think buddy healed or bradley well, beal or i think or we were talking, you didn't even think that russell was available 
right? Right. And, well, I, actually, I had Scoop B, Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. Scoop B, tell me that the Lakers were initially interested in Russell Westbrook. But I didn't think it was going to happen. The salary, $44 million. Yeah, exactly. Cap number. Did they have enough assets to make that work? Um, but at, but then again, and then you and I talked on this, on this podcast about Buddy Heald being a potentially better fit because of a third option type mentality. And that's the one area that we will have to wait and see if Ruskin is willing and able to have that third option type mentality and pick his spots more deliberately to be aggressive and be more of a one, particularly when LeBron James is on the bench, because that is really the time where Russ is going to have to shine. And that's the time where the Lakers are going to need him to shine because the stats speak for itself. The Lakers are a top five offensively efficient team when LeBron's on the floor. And this is when they've had Schroeder and Rondo. When LeBron's off the floor, they're bottom third. So I'm hoping Russ will make them a little bit more of a middle of the pack, if not a top 10 caliber team, when LBJ is on the bench. So uh, uh, Westbrook could, could run the offense. Let me just play a quick clip from the um, press conference today and what Westbrook had to say about teaming up with LeBron and AD. As you know, LeBron is one of the best players to play this game. Um, and his, his ability to be able to kind of do everything on the floor um, allows me to be able to just figure it out. Um, I'm coming to a championship caliber team, and my job is to make sure that I'm able to uh, make his game easy for him. Um, and I'll find ways to do that throughout the game. Uh, as it pertains to ball handling and all that, it really doesn't matter. Um, there's many different ways you can impact the game without having the ball in your hands. Um, and I'm, I've been able to do that for many years, and um, I will figure it out. So there you had it from Russell Westbrook saying all the right things. Man. And, and the thing is, Russ has experience playing alongside star players. Yes, he hasn't been successful, but he knows – how to have that give and take. Yes, it didn't finish well in Houston. Yes, it didn't finish well in Oklahoma City with Paul George. Yes, it didn't really even finish well in Washington, but it was Russ's leadership and his production that second half of the season that allowed Washington to at least get into the play-in game and then ultimately secure the eight seed and play the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. So this guy, when he is right and things start to click, the team will go as Russ goes. Now the question is, is he able mentally to take that step back at times, which will be a lot, defer to LeBron James, defer to Anthony Davis, and then once he gets the green light, how successful can he make the Lakers? Here's the thing that I, that I think that Russell is going to have the biggest impact on. Um, he's going to have the biggest impact on the second unit, when LeBron's off the floor, obviously, he's, he's going to have a really big impact on our fast break and our transition offense and defense, I believe. But more importantly, I think he's going to come with a very heightened sense of competitor competitiveness. And those, those games in the middle of the season when it's hard, you know, to get up for on the West Coast, a four o'clock game in Detroit or Charlotte or, you know, Atlanta, any of those different different places on the East Coast, right. he's going to bring that competitive fire and that edge on those nights. And the players specifically that I think he's going to help, help out the most isn't LeBron. No. I think it's actually going to be AD. Bingo. Because with 
Russell's competitiveness and his fire and his nature and him already having that relationship with AD, as much as everybody, as much as LeBron and Russell's relationship wants to be, you know, obviously um, highlighted and put out there, AD has known Russell for a very long time and they have a great relationship as they put on display actually at the end of the uh, Lakers Wizards game in uh, Washington DC where, when AD came over and, you know, bum rushed uh, Russell's uh, post-game interview, but right. they've, they've had a great relationship. And I think that Russell's going to have a very profound impact on AD throughout the season and, and especially on the court, especially in the second and third quarter when the game is just starting to get out of hand or go a certain way. I think that's going to be a huge impact. Not to mention the two-man game that those two, you know, we talk about the two-man game between LeBron and Anthony Davis. I think AD and Russ can develop a very unique dynamic. And we've seen Russ turn guys like Serge Ibaka, Nick Collison, heck, Robin Lopez last year. I mean, he sets these guys up. Hachimura. Yeah, Rui Hachimura, but I'm talking big men specifically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rui's more of a a three. Uh, But Steven Adams, too, another guy. He gets, he's able to set these guys up to just put the ball up and in. Just like we saw Rondo do two years ago. And to me, Russ is a better version and certainly a younger version of what Rondo brings to the table. So I'm really excited to see how those two specifically work, because let's be honest. Those two are probably going to see a lot of time together, not only with the first unit, but I also think with the second unit too, Chaz, depending on how Vogel wants to do those, uh, do those rotations. And we'll get into that a little bit later on, but yes, are there some concerns? Of course, Um, the shooting woes specifically in the postseason. There are times where Russ's shot just, you know, we'll see one for 10 from downtown next to his name, but also to consider the fact that he was doing a lot of heavy lifting on those Oklahoma city teams and whatnot. He wasn't shooting as many threes when he was in Houston or even Washington for that matter. So I would like to see Vogel adopt maybe some of those offensive principles from Dan Tony and the Rockets, or even from Scott Brooks and the wizards and, and be like, okay, if we put Russ in a dunker spot, let's say AD is at the five, right? And you got LeBron at the four. Now mm-hmm. we could theoretically, because those two are capable of spacing the floor better, put Russ in the dunker spot, have him play off the ball. And now what's the defense going to do? You can't really leave AD. You can't leave LeBron. You can't leave any of the other shooters or the three and D guys that Vogel's going to have out there. And now Russ has a situ is in a situation where he can get, like you said, 83% in the paint, just put up, you know, little bank shots or get to the hoop or get fouled or whatever. All, all day long, especially in those half-court sets. Yeah, I mean, there's so much versatility on this team. Yeah. You forget that the part of the triple-double that Russell Westbrook gets, he does average over 10 assists a night coming off the off of last season. How many of those assists are going to go to LeBron and AD or even somebody like Wayne Ellington right. or Malik Monk or Kendrick Nunn? You know, like, there's just so much versatility up and down this roster. But I think specifically Russell Westbrook is – um, going to create not only is he going to create for others but he's going to create for himself mm-hmm. and create those opportunities um, at just a high level this is the best third star that the Lakers could get and I'm just surprised that um, it was something that was even on the radar uh, that was possible and that Rapalinka had the gumption to actually do it and he turned pretty much KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell and 
22nd pick in this year's draft into Russell Westbrook. And I think those are all spare parts that were great um, in certain serve their purpose, serve their purpose in certain respects. Don't want to disrespect any guys, but um, I I think that especially Kuz, um, I I have so much love for the kid and I love what he, uh, what he wrote in the players tribune, very heartwarming. Yeah, I I thought all three guys, uh, especially KCP too. I mean, this was a guy who started off on a one-year deal. He ended up spending four seasons with the Lakers and he saw the highs and lows the top of the mountain and the bottom. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I really class acts, all three of them, even Trez too. I know Trez wasn't here that long, but even he, um, acknowledge how powerful it was, uh, being, you know, a part of Laker nation. I just wish things could have ended better for all three of them, man. Here's what, here's one thing I want to say as well. This one thing to, to join the Lakers every day. That's what a lot of the press conference was about like, Hey, how does it feel to be on the Lakers? Right. Right. We talk about that Laker legacy, what it means to put on, to don that purple and gold, that, that armor, that gold purple and gold armor that Kobe used to call it. Um, But I think the craziest part and the best part about what Russell said today um, during his press conference was the fact that he knows it's, he said it's surreal being from LA, being able to watch championship parades as a kid. It's a blessing. Some of these dreams don't come true for people like myself. And that's true. Like, Mm. Yeah, being a kid from LA and playing for the Lakers and being that star is is just such a blessing. So you can't take that for granted. I think he's going to do great in the Laker uniform. He's going to give it his all. It doesn't matter what uniform he's wearing, and um, he's always going to give it his all. But especially knowing that he's putting on that purple and gold every time, especially with the relationship that Russell had with Kobe, um, even though it blossomed, it started on the court and blossomed off the court over many years. Um, Kobe used to always talk about how Westbrook embodied. Uh, that constant competitive fire that he played with. And the Lakers actually posted a video of Kobe talking about Russell after a 2013 game, I believe against the OKC Thunder where Kobe was just like, Hey, he just, he just doesn't stop. And it takes a relentless amount of energy. Um, I think the only two players that I've seen play with that amount of energy that Russell does is um, Kobe, obviously, and Allen Iverson Mm. uh, and, and, and KG like that type of infectious energy that, doesn't just affect the people on the court, but it affects everybody that's not only on the bench, but in the building, like right. going to Laker games with those with LeBron AD and Russ on the court at the same time, especially a big game, like, I don't know, against the Nets or the Celtics or anything like that. It's going to be huge this year. For sure. And it's a money, and it's a money play. Great job, Rob. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'm glad you mentioned Kobe. I, I really think Russ does embody the, the Mamba mentality and even the way, you know, it's funny even the way they handle themselves in press conferences, we've, we saw for years how short Kobe was with reporters and how truculent he would get. I think Russ is a little bit more truculent, a little bit more aloof at times, especially after losses. Uh, I, I know there were some reporters he just absolutely refused to talk to, but I mean, that just goes to show you the competitive nature that this guy has. Like if I win, okay, I'll be a little bit more accessible. If I lose, I'm just going to shut it off. I mean, that's these guys is right. Uh, you know, I, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Right. What, what did the great Marshawn Lynch, AKA beast mode one say? So that doesn't even really bother me much because yeah, I know I'm, I'm a member of the media and I've never had the opportunity to cover Russ in person, but I'll tell you, uh, that, that never really bothered me much, uh, that, that aspect of it. And here's the other thing people are forgetting. This guy's been a great teammate everywhere. He's gone. He's old. You know, people have always spoke so highly of him. Scott Brooks spoke highly of him and there's two stints together in Oklahoma city and Washington. A lot of players have just talked about the type of character this dude really has and how much heart 
he truly has. And yeah, I understand no championship star players, you know, did, you know, Durant wanted out because of him. I, I still don't believe it was solely because of Russ why Durant wanted out of Oklahoma City. I think it was part of it. I don't think it was the whole thing. But in either, in either, let me just finish up this point. In either case, this guy still has a ton of heart, a ton of character, great leadership qualities. And yeah, sometimes that emotion and how that ferocity and the tenacity you play with, it can grain on guys, right? It, you think everyone loved playing with Kobe Bryant? No, I mean, it, some of that can you know, take its toll on you. But at the end of the day, this guy truly means well. Look what he did for Elena Deladon. Elena Deladon, who, by the way, is the star of the Washington Mystics, has not played in two years because of back surgeries. He actually would practice with her, help her in her training process, and rebound for her while she was getting shots up. That is the testament to who this guy is, not just as a basketball player, just as a human being. And I love that kind of stuff, man. He's he's a great human being. and And let me just say this. I'm just going to just say this now that he's a Laker, but especially that he's a Laker. I was the biggest Russell Westbrook hater in the beginning of his career, partly because I knew what he was. I was a fan at UCLA, right? But when he got to the OKC Thunder, I didn't like the beating of the chest. The act, you know, I, I was always like, act like you've been here, you know, and, and he, it, but he hadn't been. And I was too, you know, at that time, I'm a few years younger than Russ myself. So I'm, you know, I'm just like, you know, I, I'm it's just a competitive nature in me as well, just rooting for my team. But you fast forward 13 years, 12 years later, 13 years later, and he was one of my favorite players outside that's not on our, in a Laker uniform that I love to watch outside of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, obviously. Right. Um, and more recently, Luka Doncic as well. But Russell has always been one of my favorite players, and I just, I just can't believe he's actually a Laker now. I, it's I, surreal, right? It's I'm, I'm watching, I'm looking at videos right now as we speak of you know the press conference earlier today, like as I'm looking at quotes and stuff like that, and it's just I'm watching him hold up this purple and gold, beautiful Westbrook number zero jersey, and um, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be For a very sure. fun season. And before we get on to the next topic, I just want to say. Um, I'm proud of what he meant not only or means to not only the city, um, but also people within my neighborhood uh, as well off Slauson and, you know, what he meant for Nipsey Hussle mm. and that connection there. Um, and just, you know, all my family that still, you know, lives in that area and, and, and people that are, he's connected to as well. So um, this is big. This goes beyond obviously the court. This is, um, this is basketball. This is life. Mm -hmm. um, and he's going to do it for the city. He's going to put on very well for us. Couldn't say it better myself, man. Shout out to the neighborhood. You're shouting out South LA right there, man. Neighbor. <laughs> Neighbor. And, and the thing is, Russ is not only being uh, united with uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James for the first time, he's actually being reunited with an old teammate of his, Carmelo Anthony. Now, they were teammates together for one year in the 2017-2018 year. Uh, that was the year that they traded for Paul George as uh, in the summer of 2017 and then also traded for Carmelo Anthony and tried to form their own big three. It did not work out that well. They, they were uh, ousted in the first round by the Utah Jazz. Melo ended up getting benched by Billy Donovan. Um, I, and I was, I was, I was kind of wondering if anyone was going to ask about that. But here's the thing. 
I think that was more on Donovan not getting the best out of Mello. Mello maybe not wanting to buy into his role more so than it was a, a, an issue between Russ and Carmelo Anthony. But this is another significant signing. Carmelo Anthony is a <laughs> he's a 12-time All-Star, number 10 all-time in NBA uh, points, most points scored in NBA history. He's 10th on that list, guys. He is now going into his, uh, like LeBron James, going into his 19th season. Everyone thought his career was done after a failed stint in Oklahoma City, failed stint with the Houston Rockets. He was looking for work, and nobody was willing to give him a short-term deal. They thought, this guy is about himself. He has not made an adjustment. He's unwilling to make that adjustment. And Melo thought that was BS because it's like, you guys are trying to paint me out to be this guy. And the sample size was too small to even make that kind of judgment. Fortunately, Portland and Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts and Dame were able to bring him in to, to the Trailblazers organization. And it got his career right back on track. He provided the Blazers with everything that they needed. And he reminded folks, hey, before there was Kevin Durant, before there was this guy who can get a shot up from anywhere, there was me, Carmelo Anthony, who I was one of the toughest covers in the NBA for years. Six foot eight, maybe not as tall as Durant, but very physical, could post you up, can take you out to I mean, one of the best mid-range games I've ever seen of my generation, expanded out to the three-point line. Yeah, not the greatest defender, not the most willing defender, not the greatest rebounder, but still was a guy that, could, could get 25 to 27 in his sleep, Jazz, and had some great years with Denver, really good years in New York. Another guy, ringless, never even played in an NBA Finals, now has an opportunity to do that, and he's reunited with his old pal LeBron James and Russell. Carmelo Anthony is now a Los Angeles Laker with LeBron, AD, and Russ. Get that through your heads already. How does that yeah. sound? It sounds great, doesn't it? It's gonna look. It's gonna look even better. For sure. I can't. I, I. I. can't wait to see it. I think Carmelo. He's saying all the great things, but I think his mentality is the best. Like he's. He's just so honest. I think the the interview that he had with Ali Clifton. Yeah, and um, I do have a clip from that, so I'll, I'll play that in just a second. Spectrum Spectrum Sportsnet. But go go ahead and play it now, and I'll comment after. Again, I just think that throughout our careers, we've always been. On, on 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 parallel paths like two but two different lanes and just you know he 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 doing his thing I'm doing my thing I'm trying to figure it out you know my 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 role had a little detour in it whatever <laughs> but I, I can I, I can sit back and I can, I can accept that you know but I also know that again man timing timing is everything you know what I'm saying and I, I know that this was something that we we've talked about since high school you know we we've mm -hmm. talked about this and we just never believed that it would happen, you know, for whatever reasons. We just never believed that it would happen. But I'm going to keep saying it, man. Everything comes back full circle and what's meant to be is meant to be. So that was Carmelo Anthony about teaming up with uh, LeBron James. This is of our generation. The best equivalent that I could put it to is probably like Larry Bird mm. and Magic Johnson playing on the same team together in like, 1991-1992 season. That would be what this is like. Not in the prime of their careers or anything like that, but imagine Magic and Larry Bird 
I couldn't imagine Magic as a Celtic or Larry Bird as a Laker, but <laughs> imagine those two guys, you know, being the friends that they were and the competitors that they've been going all the way back to 1979, playing the 91-92 season together. That's what Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James, their impact on the league, what the kind of, the time, kind of careers, I'm sorry, that they've had right. over the course of the last 19 years, pretty much. Um, and the fact that they're on the same team together and can both contribute at a very high level. LeBron James was arguably the MVP of the season before Solomon Hill takes a dive at his ankle. And Carmelo Anthony was a highly productive player off the bench, if not starting for the Portland Trailblazers and was a key cog to their, you know, last two playoff runs. So I'm just excited for not only what Melo's going to be able to do as far as being able to hit open shots, because that's all he's going to get playing with AD, Russ and LeBron, but also the mentality that he has mm -hmm. to know I've, I've done everything. I've wanted every level from high school to college to Team USA to all-star games to all-NBAs to scoring titles. He's done it all. Right. All, he, all he needs is that ring, and he'll complete that circle. Yeah, and it's an interesting analogy about comparing LeBron and Melo teaming up at this late stage of their career to Larry and Magic, who, by the way, were teammates for the Dream Team in 92. But the difference is Larry and Magic had more of a they, – they had a fierce rivalry. They met in the finals three different times. The Lakers and the Celtics were dual monarchy throughout the 80s. Melo and LeBron didn't have that sort of fierce rivalry as far as their teams year in and year out playing each other in the playoffs. I think they only had one year in the playoffs where they actually met. And that was 2012 when Melo was in New York uh, and, and yep. uh, LeBron was in Miami. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, they never faced off next in the playoffs. Yeah. Next seed. Exactly. Because Melo spent a good chunk of his, uh, the beginning of his career in Denver. And of course, LeBron was in Cleveland and then, you know, uh, Miami after that. So it was tough to get these two guys on the same stage, save for the occasional two-time-a-year matchup. But Melo has made some changes in his, in his career, in his game, more willing to play off the ball, more willing to get less touches, more willing to come up off the bench. Last year, played in 69 of 72 possible games, only started three games, shot 41% from downtown, averaged 13 points a game. And this is still a guy who can give you 13 to 18 on any given night. And where his role is going to be dynamic is coming up off the bench, playing alongside Russ, LeBron, AD, Dwight, whoever. The, the job is going to be the same. Provide that floor spacing. We'll give you the isolations here and there, but more, more or less, we need you to stand out there in the corner and knock down jumpers. And here's another thing. I know everyone says Melo is a defensive liability. I'll, I'll be the first to say he's never been the greatest defender, but I see more energy and more commitment to that end of the floor in recent years. Yes, and, we do. And knowing how Frank Vogel likes to coach, right? He values defense. That's going to be the one thing he's going to point out to all of his guys. Y'all want to play. Y'all better D up. That's what it's going to come down to. And, and, Melo's not gonna, and that also includes from Carmelo Anthony. Melo's not going to have to play any defense if he's shooting 40% or higher from three. Yeah, so. but but Frank Vogel won't sneeze at that either. <laughs> he won't sneeze if Melo is, is, is taking on a defensive assignment, say, for example, Zion Williamson. Why is everybody making so much about defense? Do you guys realize who's on the team? Do you realize that Anthony Davis is on the team playing right behind Melo? And Russ and is no slouch defensively? Exactly. And 
just the fact that you're you have team defense team defensive concepts right like a system. the fact the a system that Vogel has implemented players that have played in that system Dwight Howard is going to be huge for this team Marcus Saul Jared Dudley is going to come back wink wink I think or I hope at least <laughs> we'll talk about those final roster spots later yeah um the fact that obviously LeBron and AD have already played there. Like it's just the defense is going to still be great. The Lakers will still be a top five defensive team. I think, Le- I think LeBron James is going to have a great season, but I think the best season on the team is going to come from Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, after a full off season, yeah. being hungry for the title, missing half the season, mm. going out with a groin injury, not being able to play in the final game the way that he wanted to he's going to be a man on a mission and the fact that he's going to have a guy like Carmelo Anthony to throw the ball out to the second leading all-time Olympic scorer of all time up until Friday night when Kevin Durant passed him like Mm. that guy is going to be in the corner ready to shoot the ball when LeBron James drives drives the ball left and kicks it to the left corner for Carmelo Anthony to shoot a three or even for Carmelo to swing it back up top to somebody like Wayne Ellington or who can drive it down to the middle and throw a lot for AD. Those are the kind of options that Frank Vogel is going to have on the offensive end and the same defensive concepts that he's implemented. And he has the enforcer now in Dwight Howard, and he has the spacer in Marcus Gasol still to where he can be able to create those lanes and opportunities for guys like Russ, like Carmelo Anthony. I think you're going to see basketball genius come through on that floor next year. Absolutely. And that, leads us to Frank Vogel was the one guy who had not been taken care of amidst this flurry of moves, which included a blockbuster trade, a plethora of veteran minimum signings and a couple of other really savvy deals. Frank Vogel was not left out in the dust. He was not going to be a lame duck head coach coming into the 21, 22 season. Now the terms have not been released as far as my knowledge goes, but more than likely, Chaz, I got to assume it's a two-year deal, which basically gives him three years, including this one. Uh, basically, it's for him to oversee the rest of the LeBron James AD era. And I think it was the best thing to do. I think it was a formality because here's the thing. In modern sports, you don't... Are you breaking... Want... I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Are you breaking news right now? No. He got an extension. I just don't know the terms. But uh, I got to okay. assume it's, it's a two-year deal, minimum. You don't think it's one? Or no, three, no, nope. or five. I think it's two. Two makes sense. Nope. Okay, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. More than likely, it's two. And from other people I've talked to, they think it's two. We'll find out in due time what Frank uh-huh. Vogel's extension is. Could be more. I don't know. Could be three. It could be four. It could only be one. More than likely, though, I think it's two. Trust me. Because they don't want him to be a lame duck and then have to answer questions about, well, aren't you concerned about your job security and what's going to happen next year? And are you, yeah. Now the extension puts those puts that aside however terry stotts nate mcmillan two coaches recently fired in the middle of their extensions in mcmillan's case the extension hadn't even taken place yet before indiana fired him and now of course he's doing great things in atlanta in vote in uh stotts's case he was i think one or two years into his extension in portland before they decided to go into a different direction. So in rightfully so it in, is the extension, the end all be all. Does it not mean that Vogel cannot be fired or asked to resign or something like that? No, it doesn't mean that, but 
they had to give him this extension to avoid the questions about being a lame duck. And now there will be more pressure. I think after a year where um, even amidst the injuries, even amidst all the issues, the quick turnaround, the condensed season, all of the things that went against the Lakers and a lot of other teams throughout the the season. Now the pressure is really going to be on him to make this work. But I really think Frank deserved the extension. I'm glad he did it. I think he's created a really solid culture here of a team that puts team first and individual second. And I think the roster now reflects that you have a lot more guys willing to sacrifice guys who have been sacrificing and he's going to get these guys to buy in on the defensive end. And basically like, Hey, we got 12 guys here who are worthy of playing significant minutes, but I only really want to play nine, maybe 10 a night. And this is before the three roster spots. So I think it's going to be up to Frank to make all of this work, but what does he have going for him this year? A full training camp, a full training camp is going to be significant, adequate practice time. Even so now, a few preseason games. Yeah, exactly. So my point, my point being is last year, he wasn't able to make all of those pieces work. Injuries had a lot to do with it, but specifically the condensed season without any practice time, not being able to be in the same room and go over film and find out which guys work with certain lineups. I mean, he, everything was kind of being done on the fly. Even Anthony Davis said, we're using games as practices to work things out and put in different sets and whatnot and figure out how to get the best out of some of these new guys and make them more comfortable. And now we really won't have to deal with that. So with all that being said, yes, there's still pressure on Frank Vogel, but I still think he's the right man for the job. He's going to get these guys to buy in defensively. He's going to make the offense a little bit more up-tempo. And now he's got a playmaker who could take the baton from LeBron with the second unit and hopefully keep it pushing and the offense won't suffer a significant drop-off like it has the last two seasons, specifically last year. How many scoring droughts did the Lakers go through last year? And hopefully that won't happen as much on, on when, when Russ is running that second unit. I don't think it's going to happen much of any at all, in my opinion, when Russ is running that second unit, unless Russ is injured or isn't playing um, a championship in his first year. I think that speaks volumes. I think that speaks to the, the amount of trust that he has in the organization. And I want to give Rob Palenka a little bit more credit as well, because the collaboration that he has with Jeannie Bush and uh, Bus and uh, the Rambi, Kurt and Linda Rambis right. and Frank Vogel and just the, Bill Burtka, just the entire front office has trickled down into the Lakers coaching staff, which trickles down to the players being collaborative in their efforts to be able to pull out these wins. So I just love the culture that Frank Vogel has been a part of and he's created. And I think he's going to do great things. And I, I'd be willing to bet that it's probably two years, just like you said, maybe even one, but two years to match up with LeBron James and Russell Westbrook um, would make a whole lot of sense. Uh, especially with this window that the Lakers have. For sure. And I think you want to keep a lot of the defensive principles that he has created in mind. So it's like we could interchange other pieces, but the one constant you're going to have is AD, LeBron, possibly Russ, and Frank Vogel at the top. So uh, that, that was great to see. And I know that was being talked about. Well, where's Vogel's extension? It, and, and I'll say this, for the same reason why THT wasn't their first signing. Because we have time. THC is a restricted free agent. We don't need to get a contract extension for him right away. We can match any offer. 
Vogel's already under contract. We'll get to his extension, but let's build the team first and get the guys that may not be available for more than a day before we decide what we're going to do with these, with, with, you know, contract extensions, extensions for Vogel and in THC's case, re-upping. So I'm glad, I'm glad he's here and I think he's the right coach for the job and hopefully he can make it work better with some of these parts because you have, like I said, you have 12 guys all worthy for minutes and all guys that are going to be playing hard to make Vogel's life tougher on, man, how does this rotation look? Who do I start? Who do I bench? How many minutes? What lineup suit do I go? Do I go big, small? So he's going to have his hands full. But at the end of the day, Chaz, you'd rather have that problem than say, damn, this is what I got working with. How am I going to make this work without burning out my two stars? You know, which problem would you rather have? He's, he's going to make a lot work with what he has at his disposal. Frank Vogel, I think Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk are going to be the two players that surprise the Lakers the most. Yeah. Like, you you know what Russ and AD and Melo and Gasol and Dwight, like, you know what those guys are going to give you at this this point of their careers, especially with them all being 30 plus. But I think the players that are going to have a huge surprise are going to be Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk. Mm -hmm. And Frank Vogel is going to be able to utilize them in ways that they probably haven't been utilized in their careers just yet. They all, they, they've all been in the league less than four years, uh, maybe even less than three, to be honest. So yeah. Monk's been in the league about the same amount of years as Jaron Fox. And I want to say Fox has just completed four years, right? Yeah. Four years. actually. Yeah. So they're going into year five, but I mean, these guys are young. They're 23 in Nunn's case, he's 26 and Nunn is already used to being in a defensive minded type system. Otherwise, how the heck did he crack Eric Spolster's system, right? So, or Eric Spolster's rotation. You have to be able to play some defense. So that's going to be the thing, but that's also an incentive for these guys to really pay attention on that end of the floor. And because of all this depth and the age of the roster, especially with a lot of these older guys who've been in the league for years, who are in their early to mid thirties, now you don't have to burn them out because you have other guys you could kind of plug and play. But with all that being said, Chaz, the Lakers still have three roster spots after cutting ties with Alfonso McKinney. By the way, I'm sure Devon was very distraught over that. Shout out to Devon. Shout out Devon, Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> our, our showtime form, brother. Yeah, so there's three roster spots. You alluded to it. Dudley may, may end up re-signing for the Vets minimum. We still don't know yet, which would leave two roster spots. Now, do you go veterans? There's a lot of good names I'm about to read off to you. Or do you go summer league roster. So here's some of the names I'm just going to throw out to you. JJ Redick, Wesley Matthews, Josh Hart, Svee Mikhailuk. Both of those guys are restricted free agents. James Ennis, the third shout out Long Beach state, Paul Millsap, DeMarcus, Boogie cousins, and Avery Bradley. The names that stood out to me, regardless of age, here's the, the first thing that people are going to throw out is age but you only have such a short window with LeBron, so you're trying to win now. I the, first, the names that stood out to me was Avery Bradley for defensive purposes, continuity. Familiarity. As well as, and familiarity, along with Wesley Matthews, along with J.J. Redick. Mm. I think if the Lakers can get a knockdown shooter like J.J. Redick, who I don't think is going to come to L.A. because he was our – I mean, he was bitching about playing for New Orleans and being, you know, too far away from his family. So you think he's going to want to travel all the way out west with his family? I think his family lives in 
Brooklyn area or on the East Coast yeah. somewhere. Like yeah, he was okay with guys, yeah. he was he was okay with playing with Philly and he thought that he was going to get traded to Brooklyn or the Knicks mm. and David Griffin did not trade him there and he had some harsh words to say uh, about David Griffin later on. But I would love to get JJ Redick. JJ Redick, Wesley Matthews, Avery Bradley are the players that I would like to get. Um, I think the Lakers need one more shooter, like one more knock. I think the only absolute knockdown shooter that they have is Wayne Ellington. Mm. Everybody else can, isn't just a knockdown shooter or specialist. I think if you can get a great shooter like JJ Redick, um, that, that'd be something that'll put you over the top because you just have a bunch of players that are going to create open shots and need to be double teamed in LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. Even Carmelo Anthony, for that matter, um, is probably going to get certain double teams when he's, you know, low in the post or um, has somebody sealed. So, hey, I, those are the players that stood out to me. What about you? Yeah, those are some really good points. I, I, I like J.J. Redick, not just because of his three-point shooting. He's a 90% free throw shooter. So if you're in a late-game situation, you put Redick in, make sure he gets the ball because – LeBron can't necessarily be trusted to make free throws. Russ can't necessarily be trusted to, to make free throws. And AD, after last year, he showed he at times can't make free throws. So I, I would put a guy like, I would consider adding a guy like JJ Redick in there, still a sniper. I like Wesley Matthews too. I, I thought he really came on the second half of the year. I, I like the Avery Bradley idea. I'm still intrigued and I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know what New Orleans is doing to be quite honest, with Josh Hart. They drafted quite a few guards. They got guards in return in the, in the draft day trade for Valanchunas, for Adams, and all of that. So are they even really interested in bringing back Josh Hart? So I would wait to see if he ends up just getting those rights released and maybe the Lakers can get him on a short-term deal. And maybe he would consider coming in on that short-term deal and give the Lakers some depth because that's a guard who's an absolute pit bull defensively, very good rebounder, and is an improved shooter. I mean, he did not shoot well those first couple of seasons with the Lakers, but he also had some injuries as well that, that attributed to those struggles. So that's somebody else I'm intrigued by. But to be quite honest, I'm wondering if they're keeping those roster spots open for some of the summer league guys like Mac McClung and Brown. You know, they can sign that guy, Shondi Brown Jr., uh, Austin Reeves. So I'm wondering what, what Rob's end game is there. What kind of deal did Mac McClung sign today? It with wasn't specific. I got to, I got to assume it's a two-way contract. If those I guys are ass- summer league, uh, if those guys are summer league roster invitees, those guys have got to be um, on two-way deals and going to spend some time with the South Bay Lakers for most of the year. So of the three spots, Lakers have three spots available. One is being held for Jared Dudley. More than likely. likely. Yeah. I think the Lakers only pick up one player. Uh, about the players that whether I don't think it'll be a summer league player because they have the two way and the exhibit 10 contracts already uh, given out. But I think one, they'll pick up one player and then they'll have one more spot just as a flexible spot mm-hmm. that that'll be a spot for the buyout market. Or if somebody disgruntled, you know, asks for a trade or, and they get bought out. Like you never know with this league. So, For sure. and Rob has been very, very good with keeping flexibility um, and being able to target certain players at a certain time, which has put himself in a position to trade for players like Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis as well. So 
I think the, uh, there's only going to be one spot that's going to be filled outside of adding Jared Dudley. And if I had to pick, I think that would probably be, I don't think it'll be Josh Hart. Josh Hart yeah. could make definitely more than the veteran minimum. I like if Josh Hart is back in a Laker Jersey playing for the veteran minimum, like I'm not, I mean, I'm not happy for that. No, no, I'm not. I'm I not want Josh Hart that to either. But at the same point in time, it's a little bit like, what are they doing? And not only what are the Pelicans doing, how come no team has signed him to an offer sheet or at least put out an offer to say, hey, we want you on the team? Because he came off a pretty solid year in New Orleans. The last two years, actually, he's been good. And he was part of a lot of closing lineups for the Pelicans. Yeah, but he didn't win anything. And he didn't affect winning as much as you would have liked it. You know, like like when you're losing, even though you're doing great things, it doesn't look that great because you're still losing at the end of the day. Now, Lonzo, Scouts Lonzo still and, got paid. He did because he has a certain <laughs> he has a certain skill that's very very noticeable, and he's improved his shooting, especially over the last two years, mainly three, but the last two years specifically. So, I just don't think that a player of his caliber would be willing to. I'm surprised that Malik Monk is on the Lakers and took the veteran minimum after, you know, uh, his rookie contract didn't, you know, pan out well with the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Um, sure. You should have, we probably could have seen that coming after Michael Jordan slapped him on the back of the head after that one game <laughs> at the end. of <laughs> When you're a young player like that, though, it is, it is kind of difficult to, uh, to make that all work. And then con- guys are constantly being added and, and whatnot. And, and it, it goes into your role. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with those final three spots and, even a guy like Paul Millsap is intriguing to me. Good, solid, uh, big man could still rebound. So yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Lakers end up doing with those final couple of spots. And like I said, maybe maybe they're just holding out for some of the some of the some of these other summer league guys, or uh, maybe they they just want to fill out the options. I don't know. I, I it's really going to be telling to see how Palinka or what Palinka does with these final spots in these next few weeks. But um, yeah, I definitely like how this roster is coming together. What's up? I, Isaiah Thomas. That's another option. There you go. IT, he, Isaiah Thomas. Exactly. Yeah, that's another guy. 81 points. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's some, there's some options out there. No question about it. So it just really comes on who's willing to come here for the vets minimum and who's willing to be comfortable seeing DNP CD next to their name on most nights because it's going to be very tough to crack this rotation as currently constructed, especially if all these guys come to play in training camp and are all able to stay healthy. And I'm worried about Marcus Gasol. Dwight going to take a lot of his minutes. And, <laughs> and he yeah. was mad when Drummond came. I, I mean, he's going to, this, gonna, is, this he's, is why we have training minutes. camp, brother. This is why yeah. we have training camp, you know, and the fact that Mark didn't play much for team Spain and the final games of that tournament in the Olympics, was a little bit telling, but I am intrigued by the fact that he will be in better shape coming into the season than he was last season, which I think also contributed to his struggles. So we'll wait and see, but it, I, I definitely like where this team is headed in. Before we close, I would be remiss if I didn't say anything about Dennis Schroeder. Ah, yeah. Um, to go yep. <laughs> from turning down a four-year $84 million Laker to uh, Laker contract to play with the Lakers, to play with LeBron and AD, to be the fixture, all the commercials, to be the man and have and be the third scorer or the third player for a championship caliber team. 
to making $5.9 million to play for the Celtics on a one-year deal. Mm. Talk about overplaying your hand. Yeah. I tweeted out that he overplayed his hand just like Danny Ainge did with all those picks being accumulated over the years, only to falter, not even get AD and have to retire or leave the Celtics without even having getting another championship like he promised since 2008. And here's the thing about that. It's not even just the 5.9 million. It's the fact that his starting job is not even guaranteed. Uh, Brad Stevens even said like, we may need to consider, you you know, Brad Stevens is new president of of basketball operations taking over for Danny Ainge. They want him to back up Marcus smart. So I even said it, I said, Boston at the time is the only team that makes sense to add Dennis Schroeder. Everybody else's point guard situation is pretty much settled. So either he's going to take less to be a starter or he's going to take less to be a backup. And it looks like the latter is, is happening, but uh, who knows? It could be a blessing in disguise, but man, you talk about leaving 78 million on the table from the original extension that the Lakers offered him and then trying to hold out for 120 million and only settling for six. You left 114 million potentially on the table. My goodness, Dennis Schroeder. Sometimes it's better to take the sure thing, my friend. You no, know, it was he only he only left 78 million dollars on the table. He damn sure wasn't going to get no 120. Everybody knew that. So yeah, he was he was only he was going to go. He was only going to get max, you know, five years, a hundred. Really was, you know, he could have got 100 million, but it would have been over five years, not four. Good luck. But, Good hey, luck in Beantown, I, my friend. You think I'm LA just, fans are tough? Ha! You are in for a rude awakening come, come Boston. Yeah. If you struggle, those guys are merciless out there. Them in Philly. See, this, this is what I don't like. I, I love to see a black man get paid. And it's not about race, but I just, me personally being a black man, I always root for, you know, another man, especially a black man, to get his bag. And the fact that he didn't, but also diss my organization in the process by when by you know i don't want to say that he dissed the organization let me take no. that back actually he it was a blessing off, in disguise he, for, he, he bet for for yes yes it was it was a blessing in disguise also that the lakers didn't get some of the free agents like paul george or Kawhi leonard as well going back to 20 uh 2018 and 2019 but i will say i just i would i would have liked to see dennis Schroeder get his bag elsewhere or at least some type of bag but he's not even close and uh he's got to fire whoever his agent is because they over they overplayed their hands significantly and sure. to be that far off to want 20 plus million dollars a year and only have and only make six i yeah no, i have no words it, it's bad and almost it's sim- almost similar and i'll close on this note almost similar to what happened to trevor Ariza in 2009 at least Ariza still got a full mid-level exception, not just with money, but with years. Um, you know, I think he ended up, him and Metal World Peace or Ron Artest at that time ended up getting the same contract. But Ariza essentially overplayed that hand because he went to a lesser situation with the same money. So it just, it just didn't make sense. Sometimes these guys, they make bad decisions. They get bad advice. And yeah, sometimes it could really derail your career. I hope that doesn't happen in Schroeder's case. I hope he gets back to what made him successful in Atlanta and in Oklahoma City. And, and if that happens, who knows what will happen next summer? Let, less, uh, less competitive, uh, not as many free agents, maybe not as many moving parts. 
teams might be more willing to, you know, give you a three or four year deal. Who knows? Time will tell on that. Who knows when betting on yourself goes wrong. Mm, yeah. And, and we've seen it happen to other guys too, boogie and it, but that was more injury related. This was simply a case of a guy. This was he performance was, related. Exactly. And, 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 and a mindset that a guy thought he was better than, than what he really was. So yeah. Hate, what happened? Hate, hate to yeah. see it. It's hard to believe him and Andre Drummond are going to be making a combined 8.4 million next year <laughs> on one year deals, by the way. So they better, they better stay healthy and they better show out, man. Otherwise, ugh, I hate to see what, where that, those career tra- tra- uh, trajectories are going to go, man. Oh man. Well, yeah. till next week, Laker nation. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us every week on this, on the Showtime forum podcast. Be sure to follow us on all streaming and social media platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum, wherever you get your podcasts. And just remember on Twitter, at Showtime underscore Forum and theshowtimeforum.com on our website. You can also follow me, at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter, ccamelo1 on Instagram, and Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. Chaz? Nice drop. You guys know where to get at me on Twitter, at Chaz P, and on Instagram at Chaz Pearson. Take care, everybody. Be safe out there and Lakers out here making moves, man. So it's going to be a fun season. Hopefully shout out Mac McClung. Peace.